Welcome to the Man Up, Man Down podcast, presented by Volker Baluda and David Pawsey. We discuss the pressures and challenges faced by men approaching middle age that we're often too embarrassed to speak about with our friends. You can find us online at www.manupdown.com. Enjoy the show and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. So welcome to another episode of Man Up, Man Down. So today we welcome an old friend of mine, uh, Mick Rigby. Mick, again, like like a few of our guests recently, um, lives very close by. So he, he lives in Brighton, so just down the road from me, or I just live up the road from him. And Mick is the founder and CEO of Yodel Mobile, one of the world's leading app marketing agencies. So Yodel is the most awarded app agency in the industry and has been instrumental in developing app store optimization principles and growth looping strategies. Mick has years of experience working in full-service advertising agencies, media specialist firms, and communication strategy businesses, making him a highly knowledgeable and skilled professional in the marketing and advertising industry. Mick and I actually met, I think it was in 2009 when I was agency side. Uh, at, a, at an agency in Camden. That's that's where we first connected. So that makes it 14 years, Mick. <laughs> there we go. Wow. You don't look a day older. <laughs> Thank you. I take that as a compliment. Anyway, so Mick <laughs> has founded several successful businesses driven by his interest in consumer behavior and engagement. However, his greatest passion lies in the mobile sector, which he considers the most exciting field he has ever worked in. So the year of mobile we need to talk about, that's for sure. <laughs> Anyway, so the reason we have Mick on the on the podcast, he was diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD at the age of fifty-four in March twenty twenty-three. Actually, Volker, it was it was it was March twenty twenty-two. Did I oh, if I sent yeah. you that, that probably explains my dyslexia and ADHD. <laughs> 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 I I was wondering because we as I said you came out on LinkedIn early twenty twenty-three, so. But yeah, so Mick, first of all, welcome to the podcast. So you know for about a year now that <laughs> that, that that you are dyslexic. But have you know? Let's jump straight in. Have have you never noticed it before? I mean, what's what's the background story? Yeah, well, hi guys, and thank you. Firstly, thank you so much for the opportunity. As you probably gather today, I do enjoy I do enjoy talking. So any opportunity to spend a bit of time talking uh, is good for me. So yeah, so what what's the story? I mean. I was so I, I when I when I was at school in the early eighties, one of my English teachers called my parents in and asked them to get me tested by the local council because he thought there wasn't something quite right there. And I did get tested. They came back and said, "Oh, you were blind. There's nothing we can do about it. It's just a level of, I guess, your ability and your intelligence. You're not very good at recognizing stuff on your crack." So that was then. And I didn't really think anything about it. I mean, all the way through, all the way through my life, I've I've had challenges with writing and spelling specifically. Um, I'm an avid reader. I've always read, which I guess is I don't know whether whether because of the hours that I've put in reading and the enjoyment I get through reading, whether or not you know I've managed to paper over the cracks in that sense. But it's it's always been a challenge for for me to I guess get get things down on paper in a coherent, tangible way and consistently and do it over over a long period of time. I have to do it in short bursts. And then when it is down on paper, I read it through and I don't see any mistakes. You know, I can't see 
I can't see what I've run. So anyway, that that I think I think that hopefully that just sort of gives you a little bit of 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 the the background in terms of the challenges, you know. And in work, I've always been reticent, you know, doing things like running workshops and writing on the board or. I've always been amazed at how people can, you know, sit through a meeting, take the notes, come back, put a report together and get that out within a day or two, whereas it would take yeah. me a month, you know. So wow. there's always been a bit of that imposter syndrome, I guess, in, in in my life where I'm amazed at how people can do amazing stuff. And, you know, I know that I'm not particularly good at that, but I've always kind of managed to get through it. Did it never occur to you, you know, earlier than if I say at the age of 54, I mean, it's it's quite late to think, oh, there might be a problem. <laughs> yeah, well, it is very late. I, I guess I just accepted that was my lot and I didn't think anything about it. I, I clearly, now I understand. I've obviously worked, I've obviously worked around some of those challenges and found ways of being able to manage them. But um, I got diagnosed because my son was diagnosed about seven years ago when he went into senior school. The teachers called myself and my wife in and said, look, we think Harrison might be, might have dyslexia. What was going through my head was, no, he's just a bad speller like myself. You know, he got tested and he was clearly dyslexic. So I guess from that point on, there's always been that little sort of nagging in the back of my head. And, you know, my wife would reference you dyslexics referring to me and me and my son. So it got to that point you know, early last year, I thought, do you know what? Let's find out. And to be honest, I didn't really know whether or not it would come out that I had dyslexia or, or, or not. Um, so I went and had the test and I, I was diagnosed with dyslexia. But also uh, at that point by the psychologist, I was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder. So it was it was a double whammy. Yeah. So did you ever notice any... I mean, David is obviously the expert on ADHD, but did you ever did you ever notice anything like that before that, you know, you couldn't concentrate? I mean, you said reading in short bursts, but, you know. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's a really interesting one because obviously coming to terms with the diagnosis, and, and, and you know, we might talk about this later, but it was, it, it's a huge, it was a huge relief and very emotional to get diagnosed because it did explain a huge amount of, about why I do what I do, what I can't do, what I can do incredibly well. Yeah. And it explained it. So that it, it was it was a really cathartic experience to go through. But did I did I have any challenge? I, I think I think I've always I've always been able to, I guess, avoid situations and stuff that might overly challenge me. And I've always dived in, you know, feet first into opportunities and things that always sort of excite me um and i think one of the things with adhd is that you know there is you get a passion and you can do it and you know you mentioned in my in my biog earlier on you know i've got a passion for mobile i genuinely do i love i love what goes on in that space and it it pulls me through it, it makes me excited about what's happening and you know it forces me to be aware of what's you know the new tech that's being developed what what um, how people are using their phones you know, I can sit there and watch people on the tube utilizing their mobile devices, and you know, I, I get a kick out of that. Um, so, what I mean, you you mentioned about you were being tes tested, sorry, tested for dyslexia, and psychiatrists pretty much identified that you had ADHD. I mean, so what what exactly was that process then in terms of testing? 
especially as you know it was sort of testing for one thing uh, and yeah obviously came out with as you say two for the price of one two for the price yeah thankfully she didn't charge me twice because <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not cheap no um no. Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. I, I think, I don't know whether it was the particular psychologist that tested me. I know that she had trained to spot a number of neurological uh, issues with with individuals, primarily kids, but also she she tests adults as well. In fact, the person the week before me was, a, was an airline pilot who was tested and was found to, to have dyslexia. Okay. So it wasn't not ADHD, I hope. No, 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 no. <laughs> no thank God. Um, yeah, so it, it might have because maybe because she had those that that particular those particular skills that if I'd have gone to a different psychologist, you know, to get tested for dyslexia, you know, that would have potentially been all that was been picked up. So the the process was for me. I had a nut. She sent me through quite a few forms that I had to fill in. You know how dyslexia potentially could affect my life and also unbeknownst to myself some of those forms were specific to I guess ADHD so you know how do you how, how do you feel in a situation when there's lots of noise going on or you know do you always feel as if there's a little motor inside you pulling you pulling you through life and there was a lot of those kind of questions which I assumed were primarily due down to you know the dyslexia test which ended up to obviously be part of the ADHD testing that she was doing as well. I mean, obviously, um, you know, you sort of talked about the fact that, um, you know, you were tested when you were at school. I mean, did you, well, how did you find school? Was it a constant struggle? Um, I mean, you know, sort of the reason I say that is, I guess I've I've kind of got to to know a lot about ADHD. I've I had a private diagnosis of Asperger's. I've been on an NHS waiting list for, well, five and a half years now. And as you say, like, part of me thinks, well, should I go for another private assessment? But, you know, it is a lot of money. And, you know, I think, well, you know, next week could be the week when I get the call. But, yes, sorry, going going back to what I was saying, in in my experience, you know, you find entrepreneurs, it is, you know, perhaps a generalisation, but almost people that didn't quite fit into the school system thrive outside of it and sometimes you know you find that ADHD is you know part of that that journey so to speak so yeah what what was your experience of school like and you know how did you sort of get on the road to entrepreneurship yeah I mean it's it's a really interesting question because like like you one of one of the one of the things I've really enjoyed over the last 12 months is understanding reading up about ADHD reading up about dyslexia you know both the good and the bad you know but it's been absolutely fascinating when I was at school it it was always a challenge you know I can remember my parents coming home and and watching them from the window after parent teachers evening and my mum coming out the car and crying because what they've been told by the teacher was was obviously not what they wanted to hear um it was a struggle for me I, I was you know, I was always in the sort of the lower part of the classes, you know, in the lower sets. I can remember my teachers always, obviously, <laughs> back then I was called by my full name, Michael, Michael Schuttinghardt. <laughs> you know, he's a smart kid. He's not applying himself. Believe me, I tried and tried and tried to apply myself. But things like English and certainly the way that 
way that things were taught back then was very by rote, you know, and the classes were fast. You know, you get taught and you'd move on to the next thing and the next thing. And, you know, understanding now that my working memory isn't as fast as perhaps, you know, individuals that don't have elements of neurodiversity um, means that it takes longer for me to get stuff. The thing is, though, when I do get stuff, I really get it, you know. So uh, having those building blocks, you know, learning the basics of, I don't know, grammar, you know, it took a because I couldn't quite understand it at that particular point, it was getting taught to me. I missed out on that. So we went on to the next thing and the next thing. So there was huge, and there probably still is huge parts of my knowledge base that I don't, I don't have, a, I don't understand. So, you know, when you're studying, you know, more complex subjects and you have to, you know, you have to write, write an essay on it, you know, I, I, it was very difficult for me to string together what I wanted to say. I would always go to the point of lowest common denominator. So I might want to put a complex sentence together about an element in history that, you know, we were covering off. I knew what I wanted to do and wanted to say, but in order to make sure it was legible, I would bring it down to base level. So I would make a very simplistic sentence rather than the complex sentence that I always wanted to to do. And, and I've I've done that in lots of ways. And I think one of the great things about, you know, tech and, and, you know, spell check as it was back then and things like Grammarly now, they're a lifesaver. You know, I can, I can basically brain dump what I need to do, run it through those particular tools. And at the end of it, I've got a coherent, uh, well-structured sentence, paragraph story. But back then you didn't have that. You know, it was all paper and pen and, and my writing was and still is like a little spider waltzing across a piece of paper. So, um, but because of all of that, you know, I found it very difficult at school. When I went, I went into, when I went to university or polytechnic as, as, as it was then, I did business studies and it just clicked. Everything, consumer behavior, marketing, you know, there were things that obviously I wasn't taught at school, but I just got it. It, you know, it resonated with the way that my brain worked. So, as a consequence of that, when when I when I completed my studies, I then went to work in advertising, you know, applying, I guess, that creative side of 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 my brain that works brilliantly, and and seeing how things join up, and understanding how communications can affect individuals, you know, how you structure what you say to to make a big impact, where you place a message to have maximum resonance, you know. Bing, you know, it all just works in my head. So I worked in advertising and, you know, a lot of those early years, big agencies, as, as, as you said in, in my bio level, you know, big agencies, you know, major agencies, uh, you know, I always did okay, but obviously you've got to then, I guess, fit into the framework of what is needed to be done and, you know, how putting those reports together or, and, and, and I, it was always very exhausting to do all of that so you know I, and also I think I, I got a great belief in in my ability in lots of different areas and as a consequence of that the end of the 90s early 2000s I, I thought right I'm going to set up my own business yeah I know what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it and I think part of that as well is I don't have to conform to the way things have to be done and I'm not going to have somebody potentially telling me how to do things that I can't do particularly well um so that's really sort of how it, how it came about i guess um 
setting up my own companies. So, um, I mean, when you were working in agencies, was there any sort of mentors that, you know, made you feel like considering that school was a difficult experience? Was there anyone that really helped you believe in yourself? And you know, I mean, like sort of something I, I, you know, I've mentioned before about there can almost be a tendency to feel that you're stupid, um, you know, and, and was there sort of anyone or a situation that made you think, oh, actually, you know, I'm not as stupid as school made me feel? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I was lucky in most cases, not all, but in most cases I had very good managers who, uh, who were very smart. Um, and I mean, I can I can remember, and it, and it, it does, this imposter syndrome has always been part of my life, which is, you know, how the hell am I working in this agency when I'm surrounded by people from Oxford and Cambridge and and there's me, you know, struggling through on my, you know, my business studies. <laughs> so, but I think, I think they must have, they must have seen, you know, something in me and, and some of the work that I was doing, which, which was having an effect. I was very good talking to clients, explaining complex situations to them, drawing conclusions from you know, bits of data that had come in or work that we'd done, seeing what those solutions would therefore, how, how those sort of, how those insights could then become solutions to the ad challenges that those, those businesses needed. So, you know, there was obviously a lot of stuff that I was doing that was good, but, but trying to capture it in a report or write it down or was always, was always quite tough. I think for me, the very first time, and this shows how old I was, when we had a group secretary for the for the planning department I was working in, you know, having a secretary that would then write what I was dictating was absolutely godsend. I mean, it, it changed it changed my work life incredibly. And then obviously the tech, as that then we went through that to the next stage was obviously the tech and having spell check and things like that was was equally as strong. I mean, one thing I like to pick up on, you said you had a great belief in your own ability, mm -hmm. but you also said, you know, you're suffering from imposter syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a reason I'm digging into that. So my son was diagnosed with dyslexia last year, which again... Congratulations. Even this, thank you. I don't, it's, it's um, honestly, there are some amazing, you know, the, 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 the way that dyslexics can think that they're emotional resonance that they have with individuals and the joining joining of dots seeing big picture stuff you know as long as as long as his school understands what his challenges are and support him and you guys which i'm sure you will support the, his strengths he could fly and the world you know the way we're going with artificial intelligence and and all the tech that that's allowing us to do to manage the challenges that we have in in, in life it, it the, you know I think people that think differently, who have no, 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 neurodivergence, the basics, the, 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 I guess the sort of the mechanics of doing stuff aren't going to be as important as the thinking. So, as I say, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I mean, for us, if I say it was a shock, but it didn't come as a surprise because, you know, as, as you described, right, he had problems in, in, in primary school or in, 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 in middle school and it was picked up in the year three, but no one wanted to do anything about it. And then it finally got picked up and it was like, oh, now it all makes sense, right? Um, and to your point, he's, I mean, his his EQ, I don't know what his EQ is, right? He's like 
emotionally right empathetic crazy right like the, the, as you as you just described right the things the, the dots he connects the questions he asks complete different right but when it comes down to sitting down and being organized and, and, and writing things and you know or oh, te terrible right really terrible he doesn't you know and exactly how he described but how how did you get over that i mean or did you ever get over that i mean how what 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 advice would you give someone like me who you know i, I said it said it before we went live right because i said it to to roy in the podcast as well i'm, I'm normal i don't you know whatever normal means these days right but i'm I, I, I don't know how you guys feel, right, with, with, with ADHD. I, I can't mm -hmm. imagine it, right? And and I did a did a test the other day, an online test, just because my, my brain was going off in different directions. And I'm far from anywhere, right? So so I, I, I just live a normal life, probably quite boring compared to, to you two, right? But what, what, what advice would you give us, if I say as, as, as parents of neurodiverse children, you know, how to deal with that? Yeah, it's it's a really it's a really good question. Uh, I mean, and you are talking to somebody that didn't really think he was had had any neurodiversity until he was in his mid fifties. But prior to that, I was just thinking I wasn't particularly yeah. good at stuff. Which I guess actually that might be quite an interesting thought to explore there because that's probably how the kids at school with those kind of neural uh, issues think about themselves. I'm not particularly good at that. I remember with my son, who who is an incredibly smart kid, um, coming home from school saying, "I'm just rubbish at English. I'm just rubbish. I'm not. I'm not good," you know. And I think I think it's it's what we did at that point without knowing that he 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 did have dyslexia was talk about all the good things that he. He, he, you know, he the, all the things that he was incredibly good at, and how they outweighed the things that he particularly wasn't good at, and then tried to support him with those things like the spelling and you know, the, the, the they they were they they were the things that we we immediately supported him with. But you know, it was it was picked up for him as I said in 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 when he went over to senior school, and and thankfully, the school that he was at had a very good support mechanism and he was allowed to drop his languages um to concentrate more on his english and because he got his english building blocks in place he was good at his you know his history and he was good at you know all the writing subjects to the extent that he managed to get decent gcses but yeah i, th I think it's coming to terms with him because I, I i have no doubt because i know myself you feel a little bit different to everybody else in the class you know one picking up on stuff as quickly as perhaps they are, so it's a real support for that. I mean, there's there's loads of there's loads of books out there that you know I've been reading. Some some of which are sort of geared sort of to a, a young and an older audience. There's a great book called "This Is Dyslexia" by a lady called Kate Griggs. What she does, she just goes through all the strengths and then she pulls out you know famous people like Richard Branson who's got dyslexia and. You know all sorts of all sorts of individuals, and it, it you know you read through that, and you know I'm sure as a kid you look and think, wow, you know I'm not alone, and there are some amazing people out there that have what I've got. I mean, that's uh, Albert Einstein, exactly. Throw that in. <laughs> man up, man down is sponsored by Well Doing. As someone who has seen a counsellor for a number of years, I think their approach is great. They want you to find the mental health professional who is right for you. 
You can filter your search to highlight therapists with expertise where you need it, or you can pay to use their personalised matching service. The people who run Welldoing are experts in mental well-being, and they also have loads of posts and interviews to keep your mental health in good shape. Take a look at welldoing.org. When we did the episode where I talked about my neurodiversity issues, and um, after that, I would quite a few people sort of messaging me saying thanks so much you know it's good like my my nephew's just been diagnosed and my son has um and it's you know it's good to know that you can still be a success and i put success in inverted commas because i don't consider myself a success yeah you know i think i think it is just so important for well you know to have the response like you gave to Volker of well congratulations you know it's um I mean we had had my daughter's parents evening last night and it you know it makes me feel sad that you know it's almost like if you're not doing well in particular subjects that you've got to carry on with those for another like three years when you know I'm like well you know kind of can't can't you move them towards coding or you know something else where it's you know more about using different skills no i think you're absolutely right i i'm you know unfortunately it feels to me there's a very rigid and i understand why but there's a very rigid schooling system which you know this is how this is how we teach our children in the uk and this is what they have to be able to achieve but coming to the end of that and and for for somebody with ADHD or autism or, or dyslexia, then having to sit an exam at the end of it and remember all that stuff and pull it forward, it's a it, it it's a very difficult thing for 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 those kids to do, you know, and, and it's stress it's stressful. I'm sure it is, you know, for for kids and the anxiety that having to sit in a room and and do that, you know, if you know, for instance, with ADHD, and you 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 know you you you're, you're hypersensitive to, to to noise. You know, somebody dropping a pencil or coughing when you're concentrating, you could lose your concentration, and you know it could take you you know another two or three minutes to get back to what you needed to 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 do. So it's a difficult it's a difficult situation. I, I certainly for for people like us, I would I would say, and I but I you know I'm in no way qualified to say this, but my opinion. I'm allowed to say that, aren't I? Is it, it? It's very rigid, and you know, it's like pushing a square peg into a round hole in 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 our education system. You know, there are good teachers out there, and there are good schools that support them, and more power to their elbow. They they are, you know, they are legends in in my eyes. But but I think the prize now, if if it's picked up early and there is support put in place, once kids have got through those challenges, of what they have to do. And then they can do what they want to do, you know. The world's the world's their oyster. So, um, with your son, I mean, what? Well, how much work have you sort of had to do in terms of supporting his journey through school? And you know, how much of it is? Would you say you know the school puts in place? Yeah, as I say, he he was very lucky at school. They you know they had a dedicated you know support unit for kids like H, like Harrison, and, you know, he was great. So he got that. that. I think for, for us, it was, I mean, if I remember as a kid, I can remember having to go home after school and, and my mum, because we didn't know what the, 
you know, ironically, nobody in my school had dyslexia, ADHD, or autism, you know, in seven years, you know, which we all know is complete rubbish, but nobody was picked up. So, you know, I'd go home from school and I'd, I'd have extra spelling tests to do. And, you know, my poor parents would sit down with me and go over stuff time and time again, which I found so frustrating when I lost my temper or it wasn't good for them. You know, they got stressed and it was, it was very tough for everybody. I think firstly, if, if, if the kids have got that diagnosis, I think it's really important for, for parents to be there as, as support to obviously encourage and not push and, um, you know, find out how they can help and what the kids need help within because, you know, they're going to feel difficult. They're going to feel, they're going to find it difficult. They're going to feel like a fish out of water when they see a lot of their classmates being able to do stuff that they can't particularly do particularly well. So focus on what the good things are that they can do. Find, find their interests and help and support them. Um, I mean, there's tons of podcasts. I mean, I, I don't know about you, uh, David, but I, I consume a huge amount of podcasts these days on ADHD, on dyslexia, on or even you know watching watching programs about you know autism, which is not something that that I have, but I'm fascinated by it. And you know, getting those understanding, you know, there's there's a great one. I think Chris Packham in the UK. Um, there's a great uh, two part documentary called Inside Our Autistic Minds that you can get on the um, the BBC iPlayer. I've just watched those two, and I mean, hugely emotional. Oh man, I was crying pretty much all the way through both episodes, and I, I had to like watch both of them, like in sort of three sittings almost. Um, I mean, yeah, it, uh, well, a because a lot of it resonated with you know my sort of personal experience, um, but also, well, I mean, it was just that thing of of you know feeling different feeling like an outsider but yeah i mean funnily enough like i i guess i i don't really know where i sort of started questioning whether i was on the autistic spectrum but um but i do like i was listening to a podcast called the one you feed which um i don't know if you've heard that but it's you know one of my favorites and it's been a huge help to me but there was a guy on there, an American guy, Eric Tivers, his name is, and he's now set up a huge like ADHD community. He he said he he basically talked about I you know he he got diagnosed, got medication, and then he said for the first time I read a page on a book and I was able to take in everything, and I was just yeah. like I was like wow you know because I have to reread things and yeah. you know I'll be reading a book. And there'll be a reference to a character, and I'm like, "Oh, wait a minute, where's that character from?" And to go back, and 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 I guess that was the moment where I'm like, "Oh, wow, you know that that really resonates." Um, so yeah, you know, I think the conversation is is certainly you know going on a lot more than and well, and I think the the thing that you touched on is that you know obviously it wasn't a thing when we were at school. And I think, you know, the sad thing is there are so many people who might not realise and are struggling and, you know, to put it bluntly, are going through hell and, and not really knowing why. Um, and, you know, for some people, they sort of got through school. I mean, it's interesting what you say about, you know, the sort of the interest aspect, because 
I, you know, I got A's, B's, C's, D's, E's and F's in my GCSEs. And, you know, I'm like, well, that is the scale of how interesting I found those subjects. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very, very insightful. So so one question I had, <laughs> Mick, was, um, are there any unhealthy habits that you now recognize were self-medicating? So in terms of actually, if I say coping with the conditions or whether, you know, that be alcohol or, or anything else? No, I mean, I, 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 it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting question because I'm sure it might be when people resort to whether it's drink or drugs is to cover situations and to, you know, to, to bring up their, you know, their, their feelings of, of negativity or of even anxiety or depression to into a positive place or forget it for the while. I'm lucky. I, I, I have never resorted to anything like that to cover the challenges because I, I guess maybe because I just, I didn't know. I didn't know. I knew there were challenges, but I papered over the cracks and, and I paper over those cracks by, you know, running or exercising or reading, you know, sitting down and reading a book for two hours and it would take me away from whatever was going on in life. Interestingly enough, I think I've always suffered from anxiety. Um, you know, there are days or there have been days when I feel very low. And, you know, I I, I've, I take something called St. John's Wort, which is, is, is um, a natural, I guess, antidepressant. And, you know, I've found it really useful for me. And it, it's kind of got me through some of those tougher times. But, you know... I think knowing now what I do have has helped me do something that I probably did bad, uh, avoid something that I did badly beforehand. And that is beating myself up about stuff. It's being very disappointed in myself, meaning to send an email and forgetting to do it, trying to arrange a lunch with Volker for ages, you know, and, and knowing I need to do that, but forgetting or you know, I'll do it this afternoon and something else. And then, and then in the, the end of the day, you know, just feeling really down as I've left people, I've let people down, you know, or I should have done that. I forgot, you know, I left the ring on, on the, uh, you know, on, on the cooker or I forgot to lock the, the back door. And a lot of these is, is, you know, because of my attention deficit disorder that I now know about. So I accept the criticism now that perhaps I wouldn't accept previously because I'd try and avoid that confrontation because I knew it was bad. But also I look at myself in more of a favorable light. And I think that's helped me an awful lot in terms of my own mental well-being. Mm. Um, I mean, you've, you've, you've touched on, on sort of, I guess, one of those symptoms. I mean, cause, you know, sort of talking about the ADHD. I mean, you know, the, the stereotype is a wild young boy who you know won't sit still in the classroom is you know just running around and as i say you know the more you dig into it it's like well actually there's all these other sort of symptoms and yeah for losing things so just before my daughter's now in year eight at secondary school but i remember um because you know i was a stay-at-home dad just before she started second uh, primary school i was like right we you know we'll go to to the cinema down in Brighton, you know, like our last sort of hurrah before, you know, she goes off to school. And not only did I like, well, parked in the multi-story car park 
and then basically could not find the car. You know, I couldn't remember what, what <laughs> my floor had parked on. Finally found the car and then get down to like the bit where you put your ticket in. I'm like, where's my ticket? And, you know, it, but yeah, as you say, you know, you're just like, you idiot. How can you be so stupid? And I mean, I guess that's the thing that I still struggle with. But yeah, you know, it is sort of being kind to yourself and saying well actually you know you wouldn't you wouldn't beat yourself up for not getting like being able to run 100 meters if you had a broken leg you know you're like well it's just not my body can't do it whereas you know when it's a mental thing i think it's it's a lot easier to to chastise yourself isn't it yeah absolutely absolutely I'm trying to i'm trying to put myself into you guys's hat um i don't know which which head i would prefer but <laughs> So, so before your diagnosis, would you literally beat yourself up for doing it? And after your diagnosis, is it like, oh yeah, this is just me. I, I now know I'm all right. So for the last 50 years, you've beaten yourself up. Probably a silly question. You kind of answered it earlier already. What, why did you never do a test before? I mean, I suppose in the 80s in school, that wasn't a thing to do, right? You know, you, you were just, if I say, branded as stupid, get on with it and I think I think it was, and, and maybe it's just accepting for for me. Yeah, and yeah. Interesting to yeah, yeah. Hear your side, David. But for me, it was, you know, this is this is who I am. This is what I'm like. I, I'm doing okay. You know, I was doing all right. You know, once I got into work, I was doing all right. And you know, it, I I I would never have genuinely thought I was dyslexic. I never. I just thought. I'm not very good at this particular thing or that particular thing. And I try and avoid those situations, you know, where I'm in the spotlight and I'm having to do something like that. I, you know, like write on the board or whatever. I, you know, so it never occurred to me that there was, that there was anything beyond just my inability to do th certain things. You know, I didn't really know. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think it's, well, the thing that I often come back to is, you know, it's this thing of, of you know, you can only grow personally by putting yourself out of your comfort zone. And I've always thought, well, you know, I I find my comfort zone is, you know, well, just one step outside of it can be truly terrifying. And I mean, well, I, I think sort of, you know, when Volker said, well, you know, He'd like to get into our heads. I mean, I've spent so much of my life thinking, I wish I could almost get into somebody else's body to to know whether this is how I'm meant to feel, you know. Because I'm like, well, if you know, if everyone felt like me, nothing would get done, <laughs> you know, like for for various reasons. But I'm, you know, and often sort of watching a James Bond film where you know defusing this nuclear bomb, and I'm like, well, I get. You know, I can't even. There's some mornings where I'm, I'm, in my my state of anxiety is that I c can't even make my children's lunch, and you know, and and that is a very extreme case. You know, that's not a weekly thing, but you know, I've I've felt that anxious, and then I'm like, so how come James Bond can do this, or you know, how can a heart surgeon perform? And and it's like, well, now I'm like, well, actually, yeah, because my tolerance to pressure is you know well we're as we all have different tolerances and you know and it's sort of that realization of actually my tolerance and but you know and then there's also some situations where 
I mean, I've I've done stand up comedy, you know, like only once or twice, but I'm more comfortable doing that than walking into a networking event and striding up to, you know, that's noisy and busy and striding up to someone and saying, hi, I'm David, you know, that that's completely out of my comfort zone. But yeah, sort of being on stage, I don't, you know, I can, I can handle that or, you know, public speaking, but you know, as long as I don't have to set up any of the tech <laughs> for the listeners this has been this has been a bit of a a technical disaster and i i completely forgot the time of this uh recording so uh anyway that, that's why there's sort of chuckles going on it's funny i mean i i'm t- to an extent i'm very similar i mean i i'd quite happily stand on the stage in front of two thousand people but sometimes when you're in more of those sort of closed confined social sp- social situations it can be quite difficult I try and literally trying to get my head around, you know, you two or in general ADHD and dyslexia and, and how it works because I, I, I can't, I, I can't envisage it. And I, and I hope, and I guess that's why, why we do this podcast as well. I hope someone picks this up and goes like, oh, actually, no, I know my son, my daughter, you know, you know, yes, th- there might be something. Let's go and do a test, you know, let's go and investigate that. Because it's it's much less of a stigma now than it is, you know, if I say it was in, in the eighties. And yeah. You know, just, just seeing my son after after the diagnosis was like, you know, he can get a laptop right in school, he can type, you know, as, as you said, there's there's grammarly, et cetera, right? It's so much easier for him to do things now than it would have been, you know, pre pre computer times, pre mobile times, right? I mean, even spelling on, on a mobile these days. Um so I I I think we you know we we're getting on top of it, but still it needs to be recognised, and you know we we can't just label kids as, as stupid because as 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 and, and make you use the best example right, um not, not don't know so much about David of course, but you know if I said you 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 clearly really successful and and very smart right and uh, you know David don't all, all the things that I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't don't worry, David. I mean, I, it's very strange to hear that I'm people say that I'm successful and smart. <laughs> you know, and 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 it's it's not it's you know one is not stupid having dyslexia and and ADHD, and it's just you know as you say, it's probably just the opposite. And I think the first thing I did with with my son, actually, I sat him down. I said, you know, look at Richard Branson, look at Albert Einstein, and there was a politician as well. Um, it wasn't Hancock because I know. No, don't, please don't bring him in. <laughs> what? Well, yeah, from all the WhatsApp messages, you can see that he's he's not dyslexic. Yes. <laughs> he's very eloquent. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's a pleasure. So yeah, Mick, th- thanks again for for being our guest. Fantastic episode. As I say, I'm I'm always baffled because I don't really 100 percent understand where you guys are coming from. And obviously, if, if anyone wants to reach out to Mick, you know, you can do so via LinkedIn or his website, which um, from memory, correct me, is, is yodelmobile.com. But you definitely find Mick on LinkedIn. And we'll, we'll put all the details in the show notes. As always. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Feel free to reach out to Volker or David via our website www.manupdown.com or podcast at manupdown.com with any feedback or to let us know what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Hear you again soon.